Good morning. Welcome to this podcast presented by Follow Him Ministries. I'm Hollis McGeehee, and we're in the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, written while Paul was in prison. And it's a, it's a testimony to the joy and peace of God that transcends all of our circumstances. He opens this letter talking to the church, thanking them for how much they have meant to him how they've supported him, how they've encouraged him, and how blessed he is to be a part of the body of Christ and especially the local body of Christ at the Church of the Philippians. In our last message, we looked at Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and today, Lord willing, we will look at verses 6 through 11 of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians. Let's read these verses, and then we will pray together and look at them closer. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Heavenly Father, open the eyes and ears of our understanding. May we see, hear, receive, and be transformed forever by your living word, the word of God spoken to us by God, fresh and new today. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul is in Rome. He's in prison, he's in chains, and he knows the outcome of all this. He knows that he's going to die for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, yet he is rejoicing. He has a really special relationship with this church. They've been very supportive of him, and he's thankful to them of that, and he's reassuring them. In a few verses, he's going to start a prayer for them But he's reassuring them. He's saying, and I am sure of this. He said, this is certain that he who began a good work in you, who is he? He is Jesus Christ. The only only good works that are in us are those started in and through Christ. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Our efforts to try to make ourselves better in our own strength are a waste of time. They're, they're, they're also disrespectful to God. So he's saying, look, God has brought you this far. He started a good work in you. He's going to carry that work on. By the grace of God, 
God will continue to work in your lives and he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ he's referring to is the day of the rapture, the day when Christ will meet the church in the air. Those who have died in Christ since the day of Pentecost forward and those who are alive on that day will all rise to meet Jesus in the air in what we call the rapture. And so he's saying he, he's going to keep you on the path. Does that mean they will never sin? Certainly it doesn't mean that, but it means that they're going to stay the course. And he says, what I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is the one who works in us and through us. It is he that saves us, and it's he that maintains us. Yes, we have to stay on the path, but God enables that. We couldn't do any of that without him. So he, he's expressing his confidence, and he's passing that along to them. He's saying, hey, you can trust God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. He said, if I was leaning on my understanding, by implication, he's saying, hey, I'm in jail. I'm in chains. I'm going to die. But I'm confident of who Christ is and who I am in Christ. Then in verse 7, he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you. He said, I feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. And you can read that actually both ways, that he holds them in, in his heart and because they hold him in their hearts. And he says, for you are all partakers with me of grace. And so th this is such a powerful statement and such a great truth for us to know and remember is that when we're in Christ then, then we are partakers with other Christians of God's grace. It's why you can travel to the far side of the world. You can meet up with Christians and not be able to speak their language at all and yet be one, and, and you will know that they are Christians. You'll know without a doubt. You, you won't even have, they won't have to tell you anything. You will know. You will see it in them. And so he, he's saying we are partakers together of the grace. He said, both in my imprisonment, in, in other words, I'm not alone in here. God has said he would never leave me nor forsake me. And, and likewise, because of the other brothers and sisters in Christ, I try to pray every day for persecuted Christians, knowing that, that we are one in the body. And that as they are in prison, so am I. And that's what the Philippians were doing for Paul. They were, they were sharing his imprisonment in the sense that they were praying for him, lifting him up, and encouraging him. But he said, not just in my imprisonment, but in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Isn't this an amazing thing? Instead of sitting around feeling sorry for himself or whining about the conditions under which he was imprisoned and, and probably chained to a Roman guard, he was continuing the Great Commission. He was making disciples. He was baptizing and teaching them uh, about Jesus and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He was living out the gospel, and he says, you are my partners in this, in the defense, defending the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, 
and the confirmation of the gospel. And then he says in in verse 8 something that's true of each of us. He said, God is my witness. God is your witness. God is my witness. He knows what is in our hearts. He said, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, you're not going to particularly be drawn to every person you meet, but we can yet love them and we can pray with the affection of Christ Jesus for their salvation if they're not believers and for their growth in Christ if they are. And we need to yearn for others with the affection of Christ Jesus. Like he said to to the Jewish people, Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I'm not quoting exactly. He said, How I wish I could gather you to myself as a as a hen gathers her chicks. And, you know, he 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 wants good things. He wants the best for them. He's yearning for the best for them. And we need to pray for others in that same way. And God is the witness of what our prayers are. And, and we want to we want to pray the right thing regardless of God being the witness, but he is the witness. Everything we've, we do is before God. It says in, um, it's in Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't remember. It may be chapter 3, verse 17. But anyway, he said, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name and the spirit and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he prays for him. He says, here's my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more. God has called us to live a life of love. He said, uh, Jesus said in response to a question about what is the greatest commandment, they were probably thinking about the Ten Commandments, and he said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and the second is like it, love your neighbors as yourself, for on these two commandments are built all of the word of God, all of the promises, all of the law and the prophets ride on them, rest on them. So Paul is praying for the good of others, that their love would abound more and more. And and not just a, this is not a sentiment. He, he wants their love to abound more and more with knowledge. Think about abounding like a cup overflowing. And so he wants them to be overflowing with love with knowledge and discernment. In other words, to, to know Christ and to know the word of God and to know the, the ways of God and where God would have them to go and to be discerning, to be wise in, in living out what God is calling them to. And so that, that's the prayer that Paul is praying for them. He's saying, I want you to grow in love And I also want you to be wise, and I want you to be knowledgeable of the things of God. And he said in verse 10, so that, I love those words, so that, because he's telling us just just why he's writing this. He's saying, I'm praying this prayer for you so that, in order that, you may approve what is excellent. 
In other words, you're going to know. You're going to be wise. You're going to know the difference between things that are good and things that aren't. You're going to be able to approve what is excellent. And and because of that, you're going to be pure and blameless. Now, that, our purity and our blamelessness is in Christ Jesus, not in us. But we are to walk in the light as he is in the light, not to be saved, but because we have been saved. And he said to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's the day when Christ comes back. We were talking about it a minute ago uh, when Christ calls the church to meet him in the air. He said you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he closes the prayer with, to the glory and praise of God, that God would be glorified, that God would be honored, that God would be praised because their love abounds more and more with knowledge and discernment, and they know and approve what is excellent. And so they're following uh, to the very best of their Christ-centered ability to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and no other way. And it's all for God's glory and God's honor. This is not about us. It's all about him. Amen. God bless you, and thank you for being with us today. I pray you'll be back next time, Lord willing, when we pick up with verse 12 of chapter 1 of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. God bless you.